Yeah, so my name is Adam Smitty. I'm a CEO, co-founder of a company called Your Check that we founded while I was attending the business school at Ross uh, School of Business at University of Michigan. Uh, best business school in the world. Um, <laughs> and essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a platform that allows people to have um, a way to obtain their own background checks and certification and share them without risking privacy and and also showcase people on sort of a gig work platform in a way that sort of levels the playing field uh, across demographics like like hasn't been done before. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Impact Studios podcast series here at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business here in Ann Arbor. I'm your host, Jeffrey Sanchez-Burks, faculty director of the Impact Studio, where we harness design and business acumen to help create equitable, sustainable solutions for organizations. I'm here today with Adam Smitty, CEO and co-founder of YourCheck, also alum of the Ross School of Business and the Impact Studio. So, Adam, what type of impact are you looking to have with your new business? If I were talking to other people that are out there that are looking to make, to make an impact on things, um, you know, you, I think everybody should think about the businesses they're trying to create and the, uh, um, the consequences it'll have on somebody's life. And, I, and, you know, one thing about my company is we will have a large impact on, on many people's lives. That's, that's what we're trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we are and through time have we have fallen on um, a scoring system that we're integrating into our platform and we're calling it our trustee score. So this scoring system we're trying to develop is an algorithmic output. Uh, what we think is an indicator of a person's uh, trust. So and the things that we're basing that off of are, are you know, around uh, uh, things they've done in their life that says something about them as, uh, as a person more so than, uh, like a customer review would if this person were a dick worker, you know? So, you know, lots of companies, I don't think take this into account in that, um, you know, every time that uh, a number moves that's next to a person's face, right? Like a review score Mm -hmm. that hurts that person, Mm -hmm. right? Every time it moves left or right. And no matter how arbitrary that review might be, you know, the American consumer for us is trained to want to look for that, right? And it started with, you know, books on Amazon and this book has so many stars or whatever it might have been, right? Mm. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the gig economy and really the future of work, those scores equate to like a person's livelihood. And I th- like for us, you know, we want to be able to change that to make sure that um, people are on a, on a very level playing field. And that uh, we are supporting people uh, to success more than allowing an avenue for them to be hindered. Nice. So rather than um, giving a more holistic, keeping sort of a more holistic perspective on a person rather than just one to five stars. Gig workers, people who are people of color who are gig workers um, tend to have lower scores and harsher reviews than uh, a, a person who was of a, a non-minority ethnic group, right? And um, you know that's unfortunate, but it also like sort of like plays into like everything in the conversation these days about implicit bias. And it's something that I think the industry needs to take a look at, and we're t- trying to take a look at uh, proving against. So, and the only way I feel that you can do that is to really take uh, the people with implicit bias out of the equation. It doesn't mean you can't trust this person to do a good job. So it's kind of like 
we need to, I think we need to, as a society, like look at how we look at other people Mm -hmm. and, um, not just rate their services, but also, you know, rate them as a person, you know, people can be great, uh, and, and they can have bad reviews and that doesn't say, say about them what, you know, we think it should. Yeah, it's actually something we were pretty cognizant of like really early. Uh, before I came to Ross, I spent eight and a half years on active duty in the military. And while I was in, this is like the, the seed of the idea that became your check. Uh, but we, while I was in, I uh, was collecting some guns and I was doing a lot of shooting, obviously on active duty. I was a Green Beret. And we, I wanna, we shoot a lot. Um, and I was doing some sport shooting outside. And I ended up buying a gun on a whim. It was a, like an old cowboy six shooter. And, um, Mm -hmm. John Wayne piece. It was, um, yeah, exactly. You know, John Wayne would carry one of these around in a movie and, uh, it's essentially a useless gun and I didn't like to have guns that I didn't have utility for. Um, so I ended up actually posting an ad for it online and met a guy in a gas station parking lot and sold him my gun. And, uh, I was 23 at the time. And, uh, it always actually almost immediately while I, I got the value for the gun that I wanted because I was sort of strapped for cash as it was. Um, I, I didn't know if I had sold my weapon to somebody who shouldn't have had one. Mm. And so I ended up, uh, in Tennessee, I just called the sheriff's department in the County and told them I sold the gun and they really didn't care. Um, because it's perfectly illegal. And this is what's commonly referred to as like the, the gun show loophole, the private party gun sales where mm. no checks happen, but lots of guns get sold. And then, you know, fast forward uh, to Ross, you know, you're sitting in these classes and you're learning about, you know, how other founders have started businesses and problems have identified. And I was just driving home one night thinking like, you know, I have seen, I feel like I've seen problems that could be addressed. And like this one event in my life always stood, stood out to me. So I started, started doing some research at early customer discovery. And um, I found out quickly that yes, it is a problem. Um, uh, a large percentage of private gun sales are used, uh, weapons are used in committing violent crimes. Mm-hmm. And there is a large impact of that. However, you know, state laws are different in every state and it's a very complicated issue. And it's not something that could be tackled solely by like one process and one business. Mm-hmm. But by doing the customer interviews I was doing, actually talking to people, I found a lot of other problems that rhymed. Um, and so to speak, those were, uh, uh, you know, people using the internet to do background checks, like cursory background checks, um, sort of like snoop it around to find out the histories of people that were having in their lives, where that was, uh, some of their dating, uh, a roommate, a handyman that was going to come into their home, you know, whatever it might be. And then I started further looking into the problems and issues around the gig economy, gig workers, and, and there's this whole um, industry out there aside from those that is the background check industry that people just don't understand Mm. also. And, um, so yeah, then eventually it just became, you know, figured out a way to, to get this information in front of people so they can make better decisions so they can be safer, uh, and, 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 and not fall victim to fraud. It's like the, the paradox of specificity where you're solving the problem for gun transfer and by doing that, you actually solve all these other problems for babysitters, roommates, handymen, like you mentioned before. Um, how did you go about trying to do this um, discovery about what are the potential use cases? How did it, how did roommate and babysitter come onto your radar? Yeah, that was just really um, just finding. Well, it's it's kind of 
that interpersonal thing, we just find people and start asking them. And I had this one prompt that I came up with after several interviews of what makes you trust somebody? Mm. And then people would just give their own experiences of distrust, right? Where they did have an incident because that seems to be what people remember most of the negatives, an incident where something was a negative and whether that was finding a roommate or getting a, a, a subletter, whether it was somebody they let in their life dating them, there was somebody they, they let into their home and they ended up having something to get stolen. You know, it, there was all of these other little use cases that just popped up. And you were doing this while in school. I remember when you were in, right. in the Impact Studio, this was your, this was your side gig on, mm-hmm. in addition to a full load and working on, a, on another studio project. Right. Yeah. Nice. I was quite a busy man. But it was really, it was really useful with the Impact Studio specifically because uh, I, I had tried to find uh, courses that were, that were centered on user design and user experience. And, um, you know, that thoughtful design process, because that's, that's the, the best part of the Impact Studio is that that one course, it takes you like from beginning to end and finding, you know, the different ways that you can approach a problem, but then the best ways to approach the solution for people. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I took a lot out of it for that with the interviews that we did and, and the projects we're putting together. What's your approach to sort of designing this and advice you have about other entrepreneurs and in a thinking about how to bring their idea to life? I, I would, I would tell everybody, number one, um, uh, let people tell you what the problem is. Don't tell people what the problem is. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that is, you know, like just talking to people and not having uh, a mindset of like, this is what we're going to do. And this is what I want to hear out of this interview. Just let people talk. Yeah. You know, that's, that's actually like a really big piece of advice. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then the same goes not just with random customer interviews, but also with other professionals uh, that have been in the startup space as well, um, is to say, you know, tell, tell everybody your idea. You know, nobody's going to steal your idea, right? It's, it's kind of like a, a fallacy. Nobody has the time to, to, to go through with your, what is your passion um, and just take that feedback. And you really have to, like, internalize, you know, the random customer interviews that you have, the professional insights that you're having coming in to help you shape your company because I do feel like as talking to other founders is you get, you pigeonhole yourself and you have your idea and what you think is possible and what you think is the right thing, but not everybody might think so. And you need people to be interested. I have to constantly remind myself not to talk about the solution or or the problem that we're solving as a product, but talk about the solution provides for people, Mm. right? Um, Like their job to be done. Exactly. You know, it, it, that is how you connect with people and that's how they also connect with what your product is, not just the problem. Well put. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. This podcast was produced in collaboration with Glenn Bugala.